award-winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Tennessee Wildcast. Hey, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for watching and listening. we got another fun show for you today. We are still at Region 3 at the Crossville office. Uh, last week, we did a show with Travis Scott, the uh, Rivers and Streams manager uh, here in this area of the state. And we thought, you know what? We had so much information to cover. We're going to do it again. So Miss Mimi Barnes had us back. Uh, she's our regional outreach and communications coordinator here uh, in this area. And uh, it's going to be another fun conversation all about trout. Yeah, a lot to cover. Yeah. So Thanks I'm, for coming back, Travis. No problem. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Um, uh, just real quick, if you uh, missed last week's show, tune in on our podcasting apps. Uh, scroll back down on the Facebook feed. Check out our YouTube channel. Uh, we, you can find it just about anywhere. So go check out last week's show, and then you'll be caught up for this week. And if not, just watch this one. It's going to be a lot of good information, a lot of fun information. Hey, special shout-out since we're still out here uh, on the plateau to our Cookville station, WUCT Stonecom Power 94.1 for carrying the Wildcast uh, uh, across the, the plateau. We appreciate that for sure. Uh, I think that's about it. Uh, Travis, remind folks who you are. You've been on the show multiple times. This is not your <laughs> second show. You've been been with us multiple times. We went to the hatchery there in Teleco and had you on different times, but uh, share with folks who you are and kind of a little bit of your background. Sure, sure. I've been working for TWRA mostly in fisheries for about 23 years. Uh, currently manage our warm and cold water stream fisheries and some small impounded fisheries and supervise the staff at um, the Teleco Hatchery. Okay, awesome. Yeah. Talking about how many times he's been on the show, he's going to want a gift or something. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Have you got a t-shirt yet or a hat? <laughs> I have gotten a hat. Okay. I right. it. It's right. really I'll, nice. I'll try to work something else up for you. Uh, hey, speaking of hats, go to the, uh, go out, uh, shop.gooutdoorstennessee.com to pick up TWRA merch and swag. So. Yeah. If they if folks did miss the, the last show, check it out because it, we really went into detail about our partners, um, at Dale Hollow and Irwin National Fish mm -hmm. Hatcheries yeah. and, um, and all the great things they do for us. And we'll slightly touch base on that again today, Travis, but... Um, really encourage people to find out where those fish come from mm -hmm. yeah that was a good show a lot of good information um well, where do you want to kick off, Mimi? What, what do you want to start with? Well, um, Travis, if you would, just briefly uh, give a background of how we get our trout. <laughs> We're talking about winter trout stocking at the last show a little bit. Mm -hmm. We're still in that time of year. Um, where do we get our trout? Sure. All of our trout are going to originate at a hatchery where they take uh, brood fish and spawn them and uh, take the eggs, uh, ship them to facilities all over the country. They're going to rear those to a larger size. They'll hatch them and rear them. So, of course, Irwin National Fish Hatchery is a brood stock facility where they produce eggs. There's multiple across the country, uh, but that's where they'll all originate. We'll get eggs at one of our hatcheries, uh, several of our hatcheries here in the state, hatch them and grow them to larger sizes. And, of course, Dale Hollow is a big partner uh, that hatches a lot of eggs and stocks a lot of trout for us here in Tennessee. Uh, but we also have four state hatcheries that do similar processes. Uh, Flintville Hatchery and Buffalo Springs both actually hatch fish. Uh, Teleco and uh, Irwin 
state hatchery, uh, both get started fish and grow them to larger sizes. Teleco does do some brook trout work, of course, mm -hmm. uh, where they will hatch brook trout, but but mainly they're what we call a rearing station, where we, we raise fish from a smaller size to a larger to reach stocking size. So we appreciate our state hatcheries, but we also appreciate those partnerships with the with the national hatcheries. Definitely. So um, let's jump in. Tell us about the different species of trout in this state. Right. Uh, first, I want to mention that our only native fit, native trout is going to be the brook trout. But in addition to that, we stock rainbow trout, brown trout, lake trout. Um, we've been doing some albino rainbow trout as well. Those are fun. Trophy fish. They yeah. are, are people people are like those. <laughs> They've got some unique nicknames, too. Um, <laughs> lake trout. And now this year, for the first time in many years, some cutthroat trout have been stocked again. Okay, so so we have we'll get into this a little bit deeper later, but but tell us a little bit like how did these cutthroat trout come to be in Tennessee? How did this come about? Right, we the agency had the opportunity to get some surplus cutthroat trout from a neighboring state several years ago, uh, but we hadn't stocked any in decades, and so there was this discussion, should we or shouldn't we? And the timing didn't work out. We couldn't take those fish, but we we continued with those discussions uh, and, and talked with our partners at uh, Dale Hollow to see if it would even be feasible, mm -hmm. if there was an egg source, if they could get eggs, if they'd be willing to hatch those eggs and raise them. And They were agreeable. We've thought of some locations where we felt like we could utilize cutthroat and provide something unique for the anglers of Tennessee. Uh, and so, so we started that process, but it's a long process. Um, from getting the eggs, hatching the eggs, raising the eggs, you're looking at a two-year commitment once you receive the eggs. And of course, the broodstock facility has those fish for multiple years to right. grow them to size, to spawn. And so it's a long process uh, to make sure that all of those steps are in place when you begin. So, you know, it took four, four years before from idea to actually fish wow. in the water. So neighboring state four years ago said, hey, we have some extra. Sure. Yeah, that's a long process. Mm -hmm. you, you think, well, we've, we've had anglers say to us, fishing's going to be good next year. But it, <laughs> it is, it's a long thought out process to introduce trout. Oh, certainly, certainly. And, uh, of course, all of our facilities are working at capacity. And so if you're going to introduce something new, something else might have to take a back seat and reduce some numbers there. But we felt like those trade-offs were worth it to provide this unique opportunity. That's pretty cool. Tell us again the locations that someone might uh, fish for cutthroat. So far, they've been stocked in Boone Tailwater and Hiawassee River. Those were done mid-December. And then... Ne uh, maybe March, I think they're planning on stocking Tim's Ford tailwater with, they're still holding those fish at Flintwell Hatchery right now. And is this something that anglers can look forward to again, or how is that thought process um, take place? Certainly, certainly. We hope to continue. Now, our production wasn't what we would hope. There were some challenges. This was a species that we haven't had in the state in many years. Mm -hmm. uh, the hatch rate wasn't what we hoped for. Uh, you have some water quality conditions at the time those eggs are in the hatchery in the reservoir where the water originates that cause some issues. Um, so we're, we're evaluating it, but we do. We certainly hope to continue it, and it may mean that we have to look at a different strain of cutthroat trout if there's some eggs available, something like that to, to improve that, that 
that production because at the end of the day we want to make the best use of that hatchery space uh, and one thing that Travis taught me that I didn't know is the different strains of uh, rainbow trout that are out there so talk a little bit about the rainbow trout you also uh, shared with me earlier that um, it's an easier fish to raise in hatchery conditions. So if you could touch on that. Certainly, yeah. Uh, rainbow trout have been propagated in a hatchery setting for a couple hundred years now. I mean, um, and, and that's, that's how Irwin originated in 1894, raising rainbow trout. Rainbow trout are native to Western North America, but they, they have uh, been developed uh, in the hatchery environment for, for hundreds of years and and they do well in that environment we have different success with other species brown trout are more difficult to raise mm. uh, our brook trout we've had issues with and we've we're trying a different strain of brook trout now Irwin national fish hatchery is um, to try to get a good success rate right. um, because those fish are taking up the same amount of space. If they're going to produce less, we need to find something that maybe produces more. And so that's what they've done. They've switched from a Soda Lake strain of brook trout at Irwin to a sandwich strain mm. at Irwin to see if they can get better production, a better hatch rate uh, on those brook trout. That's some of the struggles that's, that people don't hear about. You know, you guys are out there working hard to provide the best fishery you can for, for the fishermen. And they don't know that sometimes... Uh, you know, it just doesn't work out. Sometimes it, it, these fish don't do as well. So you got to go sure. back, punt, try again. And, and you're working hard to find that that uh, that fish that works well. Certainly. And and historically, Irwin didn't have brook trout there. That was something that they, uh, the supply for brook trout eggs was limited, but Irwin was willing to work with us and partner to begin that process of, of holding a brood stock there. And, and they've since transitioned to try to improve that. But they also, they have several, three to four strains they'll keep of rainbow trout there as well. And, and what that does is it provides fish at different times of the year. Okay. Um, some of those fish will spawn in the fall some will spawn in the spring and there's some things you can do with water temperature to expand that over a longer period of time so they have eggs available uh, throughout most of the year and they're shipping to facilities all over the country and, and most of our facilities benefit uh, our trout facilities benefit from those eggs at Irwin. Yeah, the science that goes into it blows me away, and I'm always so impressed with fisheries and the amount of science and work they do to ensure the best fishery across the state of Tennessee. And these two hatcheries that we talked about in the previous show, they impact um, stocking across the entire state. So go ahead and finish up with lake trout, and you mentioned brook trout a little bit. Right. Um, Brook trout uh, are stocked in some of our tailwaters around the state. We haven't had um, any brook trout the past couple of years. Like I said, we've been working with this different strain. And so this, I think, was the first year that they've spawned those brook trout. So potentially in the coming year. But what they've found is it sounds like maybe this sandwich strain is those brood fish don't do well until they're a full three years old. Mm. So it may be an additional year before we get really viable eggs from that facility. Real quick, what kind of bread do you like with the sandwich strain? <laughs> is it better with honey wheat or <laughs> a nice sourdough? Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Um, so rainbow cutthroat, uh, cutthroat brook lake trout we mentioned lake, lake trout there's yeah. two reservoirs we have in northeast tennessee south holston reservoir and watauga reservoir where we stock lake trout and and they do provide fisheries in those it's a it's a deep water fish it's going to be in in the deeper waters of those reservoirs and then our our browns 
Right. Brown trout, um, they're a little more difficult to produce. All of the brown trout in Tennessee are going to come from uh, Dale Hollow, and they're mainly going into to tailwaters uh, around the state for fishing. I think there's six tailwaters that receive brown trout currently. Very cool. So a lot of different trout opportunities, and we know that we have anglers that go for all those. Oh, certainly. Uh, they certainly. want the grand slam for the year, which is pretty exciting to add cutthroat to that this year for them. It is. It is. You can. We used to call it a Tennessee triple because we just had rainbows, browns, <laughs> brooks, and now we throw cutthroat in too, so you can have a true grand slam. I like That's that. Tennessee cool. triple. Plus one. Um I, well, we posted uh, like uh, recently on our social media about the cutthroat being stocked there at Boone. I know, uh, and the the excitement around that was great. You know, people were tagging other people saying, "Hey, check this out! Have you seen this? We got you know, let's go after them." You know, so people are excited about it. Yeah, um, really quickly, Travis, you know these numbers. Tell us the number of areas that are stocked and the number of fish produced because it is impressive. Right. This, this, I'm just talking about fish from Dale Hollow specifically mm-hmm. in Irwin right now um, because our four state hatcheries produce uh, a nearly a million fish every year as well but from dale hollow there's over 700,000 rainbow trout annually that are stocked in tennessee waters uh and that varies anywhere from 20,000 fish a month to over 100,000 fish a month wow. are being hauled across the state so there's some weeks every day of the week there's going to be a trout truck somewhere hauling rainbow trout march and april are our busiest months and so there's always fish moving those months uh, yeah, to, and we'll keep going. I don't want to interrupt you, but it leads me to other questions. And, I'll <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and those rainbow trout are going into 11 tailwaters. These are areas directly below dams that have those cool water, re- cold water releases for trout. They're going into six reservoirs. A similar thing where those reservoirs stratify and these fish move to the deeper water in the summer where they can survive and grow. And then, and then Del Hollow uh, produces a lot of fish that go into our winter trout program that we talked about earlier. Yeah. There's 22 locations in every region across the state that are receiving fish that originate from Dale Hollow at some point. So there's opportunity, even this cold water fish, there's opportunity across the state, yeah. which I think is so impressive. I appreciate that. And take your limit. We encourage. Yeah. Oh, yeah, certainly. And then we also uh, have an agreement with Dale Hollow that they raise trout up to a certain size that are then shipped to Teleco. And so all of Teleco hatcheries trout originate at Dale Hollow and they're hauled from Dale Hollow to Teleco, grown to a larger size and then stocked in the waters that Teleco hatchery stocks. Our, our brown trout, there's about 110,000 7 to 8 inch fish that are stocked wow. in March and April, and then another 30,000 fingerlings that get stocked in November. And there's six tailwaters that receive those brown trout across the state. Uh, lake trout, we mentioned just the two reservoirs um, where, where they have the capability to, to hold over and do well. Our other reservoirs haven't been productive with lake trout. Hmm. Um, the cutthroat, currently it's just the three locations. Uh, we hope to expand that depending on production in the coming years. Um, We're trying to get some albino rainbow trout in different waters. Usually we're using those in special events. Um, Brook trout are stocked in tailwaters across the state, but like I said, we've had some production issues there, and we're working through that, Hmm. hoping to have those back on the stocking list in the coming years. And Irwin has been providing us with uh, over 6,000 of their retired brood rainbows every year that we're incorporating into our stockings, and it's amazing how just a few of those big fish have (laughs) such a large impact uh, in some of these fisheries. Talk about the size of those fish. Those are nice, beautiful fish. Yeah. Are they state records? 
No, no. <laughs> uh, Don't follow that truck. Uh, they're uh, they're going to be in that two and a half to three pound range. Uh, and then um, one thing that happens sometimes they're trying they're what they want to keep fresh genetics, and so they retire these broodfish after they've used them for a spawning season or two. Uh -huh. And so some of those fish were able to direct stock straight from Irwin into those tailwaters. There's times of the year, though, where we have some water quality concerns, and we'll take those trout and hold them at another hatchery facility, and we're able to even get more size on them. So some of these fish <laughs> are rolling out five and six pounds when they hit the water, and, and uh, it's uh, Puts up a quite fire. a surprise <laughs> at your local community pond <laughs> well there, there's a couple of things that it reminds me of what uh, does trout go for per pound if we were buying it from a grocery store <laughs> <laughs> last time i checked it was at least ten dollars a pound <laughs> so wow the return for your 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 uh, fishing license exactly. investment can be pretty good this time yeah um, but the other thing that is impressive to me is how well these fish are cared for mm -hmm. so you think about these old brood fish they're in great shape i mean they really are beautiful yeah. fish being yeah. Pulled out of the water. Oh, certainly, yeah, uh, and we and we make an every effort to ensure that. And and of course, uh, you know, we're loading up trucks with with trout. We've got uh, oxygen that we're putting in the water. We've got uh, some aerators that move that water, keep it circulating, knocking out any of the bad gases that that are coming out of the fish, um, knocking out the carbon dioxide, adding more oxygen. We keep the water temperatures cool. They're in insulated tanks. And of course, some of these trips are up to 300 miles one way from Dale Hollow to, say, a South Holston Reservoir. Yeah. Uh, you've got a long journey. So we, we take every precaution. And, and you're limited on what you can haul on a truck because at the end of the day, these trout are hauled in water. And so water weighs a lot by <laughs> volume. And so, sure. so we've got some big trucks traveling. And usually you've got about uh, 1,000 to 1,500 pounds of fish on these trucks. And uh, from Dale Hollow alone, they'll, haul, they'll make over 200 trips a year hauling trout. Wow. And then TWRA has a position that's dedicated for hauling trout from Dale Hollow. And they'll make an additional 100 trips or more every year moving those trout to where they need to be. So we need to give a shout-out to Casey Osborne. She hauls trout for us, and, and her predecessor was Wilson Tanksley. Um, talk about great people hauling oh, our fish caring yeah. people very dedicated uh obviously they they they'll as they're driving they're going to pull over and check on those fish and make sure everything's functioning you don't want uh, an aerator to go out or your oxygen to run out and so they do everything they can to make sure when those fish arrive at the boat ramp that they're ready to swim off and and be there for our anglers to catch wow. and, and they're putting in some long days i mean obviously if you're traveling 300 <laughs> miles with a load of fish it's going to take you a while to get there i know they listen to podcasts <laughs> hey, that's good that's good <laughs> so we know uh, tennessee wildcast is on their list awesome. which is pretty fun and so so casey and and wilson we appreciate all the work you did wilson and casey we're glad you're with us yes that's, that's cool to know that you know there are protocols there for them when they're traveling and stopping and checking checking things out you know it's long trips oh certainly so. certainly yeah and um, of course that becomes even a bigger factor depending on the time of the year right now in the winter uh the air temp's cold enough that you don't have to worry about your water warming up but there's if you're hauling fish in the summer you're going to want to put some ice in that truck maybe mm -hmm. some salt to calm the fish uh to make sure when they arrive where they're going that water hasn't reached a level that's that's critical for the trout cool yeah i think it's amazing how all those fish make their way clear across the state so i'm glad you shared that travis good information mm -hmm. Um, so, 
so these fish are going 300 miles or they're making their way clear across the state. What factors guide um, you to provide these angling opportunities? Sure. Um, first and foremost, it's going to be water quality. Um, you know, trout being a cold water species, you want to make sure the water is cold enough for those fish to do well. Um, it's got good dissolved oxygen levels. Um, you're going to want to make sure that it's a place that anglers can get to and have access to those fish. Um, you're, you're, you want to uh, um, make sure that the the fish are going to survive once they make it into that spring, at least for to give anglers an opportunity. We have some tailwaters with different water quality conditions where the holdover from one year to the next because of whatever environmental conditions may limit that. Mm. But we still want to provide, there's, there's places we don't stock in the summer months because the water quality is questionable. And there's still a few fish that can survive in those systems year round, but it's not enough to create a fishery. So we're, we try to adjust those stocking rates to where it uh, allows most of those fish to be harvested and any that do make it through might have a better chance of, of surviving through those critical time periods where those water quality issues arise. And usually that's late summer, early fall when we see those at some of our tailwaters. How do you find that out? I mean, I, I think we're talking about, you know, you, you're looking at dissolved oxygen, water temperature, you're looking at these factors, but how do, how do you get those factors? <sighs> There, there's some uh, some uh, resources online, like the Hiawassee River uh, is one of the waters that I specifically manage, and we have a temperature issue there uh, every summer into fall, and it varies the duration and the severity of it depending on just the atmospheric conditions um, and you know, how much rain we got, how hot it is. Um, uh, all of this water originates in a in a reservoir at some point, and it's going to be somewhat cool depending on the depth of that intake. But over the course of the summer, as warmer water creeps deeper in that reservoir when it's released it's borderline and then it goes through uh, this wide channel and so what we see on the Hawassi is sometime in August and then through October sometimes November mm. uh, we could see those water temps exceed 70 degrees and mm. so we no longer stock the Hawassi River in August and September and we wait for our delayed harvest until we know that those temperatures are cool enough for trout and to help make that happen we've worked with the USGS the U.S. Geological Society to install a gauge which is on their website that anglers can access and see that water temperature at Reliance there at the railroad bridge and so you can log in and see oh today that water temp 70 degrees maybe I don't want to go fish there uh, when that water temperature reaches 70 degrees trout are going to be stressed they're less likely to bite they're struggling to survive it's just it's just like you and I if we're trouble struggling to get a breath we don't want to eat a pizza you know um, <laughs> well i don't know <laughs> i um uh, all that good science takes place through partnerships with other organizations but then sometimes it's just employees out there taking certainly, information certainly yeah oh yeah um and and we we want to make sure that when the those fish go in they have the best chance chance to survive and that's why we have a lot of our stockings uh, uh, are in the spring that's when most of the waters across the state are still cool enough and the people are getting back out but we've seen a big uh, um, in increase in people wanting to fish in the winter time and that's where some of these um, winter trout stocking events take place and um, that's when these ponds in these local communities are cold enough for trout and then we want to look at our stocking rates and make sure we're putting a sufficient number to have a good catch rate where people have 
have a good experience, but not so many that they're not harvested before the water gets too warm in these small impoundments. So yeah, a lot of care. Yeah, um, and I, I appreciate that. I think any angler would appreciate knowing what care goes in to ensuring great fisheries. Um, so tell us about the fish being stocked, um, how old they are. This isn't a, a one-year process. Tell us about all that, Travis. Right, yeah. Most of these fish, by the time they hit the water, they've been in the hatchery system for at least two, sometimes three, four years. And so most of the trout stocked in, say, that 10 to 12-inch range are a minimum of a year and a half to two years old um, from, from hatching. Uh, it, it just takes that amount of time to get them up to that size, depending on your hatchery facility like I talked about earlier um, and so if you're looking to make changes on your stocking rates you've got to plan multiple years in advance to sure. make sure those fish are in the system yeah um, and then you're, you've got some limitations on uh, what you can haul I mean there's there's a limit to what we can fit on a truck, yeah, and and it's going to be somewhere. Dog on it. Uh, um, so it, only so many state records can fit. Yeah. And that's that's true because the, we're we're bound by pounds of fish. You can haul so many pounds of fish uh, per gallon of water, and so most of our tanks are sized. Of course, you've got restrictions on the weight that these trucks can can handle. Can haul, and so, yeah. um, you know, about a thousand pounds of fish is what you can expect. So. If, Let's say these fish are two fish to the pound. They weigh a half pound each. You could haul 2,000 fish. Well, let's suppose these are brood fish from Irwin, and they weigh <laughs> two and a half pounds each. Well, you're only going to get about 500 on there, four, 400 on there. Yeah. And so it really limits what you can do. And so you've got to think about that as you're planning your stockings, that if you're, you're wanting to move X number of fish, how many trips is that going to take? Are you going to be able to make that many trips in that amount of time? Because you're limited by the number of employees and trucks you've got to move those fish did you know there was so much involved <laughs> well here's what i'm thinking you got trout hatchery runs you got stockings you got growing when are you going fishing <laughs> i mean you I, love fish you should be I fishing do. i do. i i I, I know where some good spots are, so I try to okay, get to good. those spots whenever I can. <laughs> uh, um, and one one other thing that you've mentioned to me is that feed conversion rate. Right, right. We were talking about what goes into production. When these fish first hatch and they're small, you can get some really good feed conversion rates. Uh, and what that means is the amount of food it takes to, the number of pounds of feed it takes to get a pound of fish, let's say. And so when they're small, they can convert that feed at a high rate. Uh, uh, but as they get bigger, that feed conversion slows down, and so it takes more pounds of feed to add another pound of fit up, up to those trout. Mm. Uh, so they even know how much food to order, which blows yeah, me away. That's but crazy. Um, I know we're going to need to wrap up here soon. But one of the things I want to mention is, um, Travis, tell people where they can buy their license. Tell them what licenses they need um, to trout if they're fishing for trout. Yes, you're going to need your combination hunt and fish license, and you're going to need a trout stamp, uh, and that will get you most places. Now, there's different ways to get to that, um, like uh, the senior citizen's license, that's going to cover your trout stamp, and so most people that have some type of senior citizen's license, they don't have to worry about that trout stamp. Uh, most people will, um, and those can be purchased at... Go, go Outdoors. Go Outdoors, <laughs> outdoorstennessee.com. I thought we were going to do unison. <laughs> yeah, go outdoorstennessee.com for sure. Or your local regional license office. Agent. Yeah, license agent. Yeah. So. Regional offices. 
and the, and the other thing I want to be sure to mention is where can people find out stocking dates and locations? Um, there's there's stocking dates. We have a, a link on our website at tnwildlife.org. Uh, it's updated twice a week, usually on Wednesday and Thursday, and you can search a specific water body, and it will tell you the last time that water body was stocked and with what it was stocked with. And so that's a good resource for folks mm -hmm. that are wanting to know, hey, have they stocked the Hiawassee River? Perfect. And you could go in there and see those stockings Perfect. at tnwildlife.org. Yep. tnwildlife.org. Yeah. Travis, thank you so much. What a great bit of info info yeah this has been fun we'll have to get back together i think uh del Hala and and erwin are the next stops maybe and uh some cool uh science y'all are doing with fin clippings and some other stuff that might be coming down, the, down certainly the pipe. certainly yeah so we'll we'll be back with more fisheries on wildcast for sure yeah remember tnwildlife.org and we thank you guys for being with us we'll see you next time thanks for tuning in Stay connected with TWRA by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.